Welcome to the initial Doc Holiday's Tea Party, where we will break ground and plant the seeds of freedom, where we will weed out the destructive far-left policies in Washington today by exposing the truth, by firing up the patriots, and inspiring those who are lost in the sea of political apathy. Here at Doc Holiday's Tea Party, we reach out to everyone, like the Liberty Bell, we proclaim liberty throughout all the land and to all the inhabitants thereof. We fire up those who know the truth, and with outstretched arms of mercy, we console the disillusioned liberals who always believed that the grass would be greener on the other side. But now these masses who have been duped by the rhetoric of hope and change, we appeal to you with mercy. We accept you right here to listen to the drumbeat of truth on Doc Holliday's Tea Party. And just as the words are inscribed on the base of the Statue of Liberty, we call out to those in political misery, those who now understand how far-left policies are hurting the poor, the disenfranchised, and the weak by using their votes to pursue power unashamedly. The four years of the far-left control of Congress, and now almost two years, Walking in lockstep with the far-left executive branch has left millions crying out for something better. The Tea Party movement is a part of that crying out. And at Doc Holliday's Tea Party, we proclaim just as Lady Liberty does. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. Because here on this radio show, we are serving freedom's tea. Drink it up and you'll be like Superman coming out of the phone booth. Like Popeye after he's eaten spinach, you will become the patriot pursuing political freedom, getting involved where you live to make sure candidates are representing what is best for America, what is best for our children and grandchildren. We will inspire you. We will stand for freedom. We will pursue the truth because we believe the scripture that declares you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. So let's party on all you tea partiers and for those who are politically disillusioned, those who feel that you have been double-crossed, lied to, and politically abused by those you have voted for in the past. Listen, learn, and grow, and you too can become that super patriot, the tea party power hitter who knows how to ring the liberty bell. Let's get going with the first show right here. Doc Holliday's Tea Party is alive and on the air. Tell your friends and your neighbors. Link our internet address to all you know as we spread the message that we the people are working to make this nation, the United States of America, a more perfect union by exposing the lies of the far left, by examining the policies that are hurting the poor, by shining a light into the darkness of the far left power structure that at one time promised to be so transparent. The liberal power structure, being transparent. <laughs> Tell me another joke, please. The White House, transparent. The House of Representatives, the most ethical. That's what Nancy Pelosi said. <laughs> Tell me. <laughs> Is that not funny now that we've had four years of Nancy Pelosi's leadership? We've had two years of the far left in charge of the White House, and it's supposed to be transparent? Tell me another joke, please. We're on the air at webtalkradio.net.
That's webtalkradio.net. Anyone can listen at any time on the internet, so come get inspired because we are the place where patriots come to get fired up. Come join the party every week and stay tuned because you do not want to miss today's show. We will be discussing how the oil spill in the Gulf is affecting our nation. We will have an interview with an effective Tea Party organizer who is just like you and me, an ordinary American who loves his country and his children so much that he's getting involved in shaping the political landscape for the very first time. And so do you need to be. And many of you who are sitting on the couches, many of you have not got involved. That's what Doc Holliday's Tea Party is all about. We want you into the streets. We want you carrying signs. We want to affect and change the mentality of the American people that you can make a difference. And it's time to make a stand. And you do not want to miss the very first Plymouth Rock of Liberty speech at the end of this show. Wow! What a lineup to bring you. 30 minutes of hard-charging Tea Party politics and discussions that will shape the course of our nation's destiny. Here at Doc Holliday's Tea Party, we vow that we will not go gentle into that good night. No, like John Paul Jones, we declare that we have just begun the fight. And just before we get to the show, let me tell you about my website. You can go there. It's www.tparty.ms that's www.tparty.ms and there I have a new book it's called Walk With Me A Patriot's Guide from the Boston Tea Party to today's Tea Party Revolution there you can purchase the book there you can read about it you can go to Google Books and read the first chapter for free if you want to but go check it out that's at tparty.ms tparty.ms and that's where patriots come to get fired up now we're going to get right into the oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico in just a minute before we get into that let me tell you about a couple of funny things I saw it said our economy in such a bad shape that ExxonMobil has laid off 25 congressmen <laughs> now when you talk about the oil industry, you talk about lobbyists, and you see who's in charge in the halls of Congress, you know that you can find a good joke. It says, if the bank returns your check marked insufficient funds, you may have to call them and ask, do you mean you or, or the bank? So there's a lot of funny things going on in an economy that's hurting a lot of people and it's not a laughing matter and that's why the Tea Party has a lot of views on the economy. That's why so many people were against the stimulus bill spending $800 billion and now the only thing got stimulated, I'm afraid in many cases, were the far left uh, purveyors of evil, the ones who think they know how to run things and now we see what kind of shape our economy is in after spending $800 billion and what do we have to show for it? Except for those who help get the far left elected. Maybe they got a few uh, few of those big pork barrels filled it up. Uh, some of the, they say a picture is worth a thousand words. In our economy today, in the way the value of the dollar is about to go down, the way we're printing money out of like crazy, I think the value of a picture worth a thousand words is going to probably get reduced to about 
200 words. There's a lot of things to talk about. One of the most important things that's hit our country in many years is this oil spill in the Gulf. Katrina hit in 2005. Devastated the Gulf Coast. And in, they're in many ways just still digging out of Katrina and rebuilding. And now this oil spill is devastating the economy. There's some things we don't understand about the leadership. And uh, some people said the leadership was flailing like a fish in oil on a, on a, a, sand, on a sandbar. We, did, we can say the president came and, and brought an Oval Office address to bring the oil spill into uh, the picture. Now, what do people say about that? Even the liberals, even the liberal friends of the administration, they were saying it was, it was awful. It was a mess. And, and many people were saying, let's just read what some of the people were saying about this. There's a Sherry Jacobs, Jacobus. And she says, Obama now owns the oil spill. It's his. Obama now owns the BP mess. His Oval Office oil spill speech was a colossal disaster. Far from being uplifting or helpful, it disappointingly added fuel to the fire. Devoid of answers, solutions, or leadership, the President's speech was a stark reminder of why campaigns are tough, invasive, and a brutal examination of a candidate's experience and record. Or at least it should be. Uh, I think you're right. Thank you, right, Sherry. Uh, one of the reasons people talk about the Jones Act. What is the Jones Act? Well, let's see. Five years ago, this is from Robert Bluey, published on uh, June 21st, 2010. He says, why won't Obama waive the Jones Act? Five years ago, in the midst of another crisis in the Gulf of Mexico, the Bush administration waived the Jones Act, easing the way for foreign vessels to move into U.S. waters and between ports. The decision came with the administration under duress for its handling of the Hurricane Katrina. Today, the Obama administration faces a different set of challenges with the Gulf oil spill cleanup. But unlike his predecessor, President Obama has declined to suspend the law, even temporarily. Obama's decision has turned into a public relations headache for an administration already reeling from its oversight of the oil spill. European allies, longtime opponents of the Jones Act, have asserted they were turned away when making offers of assistance. The State Department acknowledges it has had 21 aid offers from 17 countries. What's going on? What's going on? That's, that's why some people say this administration is flailing like a fish out of the water. And, and we need some leadership in the Gulf of Mexico. We need somebody who knows how to cut through red tape. We need some people who get action to the people who are hurting. Now, Obama did not cause the oil spill. I'll be the first to tell you that. He did not cause the oil spill, but the, the federal response has been lacking. And let's hope that everything gets put together with the new, uh, uh, I don't know if you call him a czar, but uh, former Governor Ray Mabus of Mississippi, who is the Secretary of Navy now, has been appointed. Now, why we need a part-time person in this position, I don't know. I would like to see a full-time, but uh, Governor... Ray Mabus, I think, will be a very effective person. Let's just hope he has the time to do it as, as well as be Secretary of the Navy. One of the last things I want to talk about is tea, uh, the oil spill. Before we get to our guest, we're going to be calling in to uh, Grant Soule. He is um, just like you and me. 
he was somebody that said, what are we going to do? And they heard about the tea party. And he said, I want to get involved. And we're going to talk to him about how you can get organized. If you don't have a tea party in your uh, neck of the woods, if you don't have a tea party in your neighborhood, if you want to have a tea party, Grant's the man to tell you how to get it organized and we'll see why he got fired up and why he is active and will continue to be active in the Tea Party movement. So he'll be coming up in just a couple minutes. Let me uh, tell you a couple more things on this oil spill. These are some things that um, I was reading about and I, it just boggles your mind. Some of the things uh, that, that uh, are going on about the oil spill. And let me get this and I'll be right with you. Now, before we get to Grant, so let me uh, tell you from the New Yorker, let's get a liberal point of view from uh, Henrik Hertzberg talking about spilled oil. In part of his article uh, that came out on June, for the June 28th article, he said, uh, talking about President Obama's speech from the Oval Office about the oil spill, said it had, it had three parts. It began, with a, it began with an account or defense of the administration's actions in the crisis thus far. Second came the unveiling of new steps, among them a long-term project to restore the Gulf Coast to be planned under the auspices of Ray Mabus, the Secretary of the Navy, who, although a former governor of Mississippi, is an enlightened and competent public servant. Uh, I will question what he means by although a former governor of Mississippi is an enlightened and competent public servant. I don't know if he's taking a shot at the present governor of Mississippi or if or some of the past governors of Mississippi. But he did say he felt, in his, uh, I guess, liberal tradition, that uh, Ray Mavis would be one of them. So uh, let's continue on his article. It said, Finally, the president issued a call, unencumbered by much detail, for a national mission to achieve a transition away from fossil fuels. This was the part that stirred much of the ire that emanated from the right. Prominent Republicans accused the president of using the crisis seizing on it and exploiting it, leveraging it in order, the party chairman Michael Steele said, to deploy Chicago-style politics, to manufacture knee-jerk political support for cap-and-trade energy taxes. Uh, yes, I, I, I think he's exploiting a crisis. There's no doubt about it. So the oil spill is something that is going to be ongoing. We hope it gets done. We hope it gets cleaned up. We hope the Gulf Coast will be restored. So let's see. We'll wait and see what the leadership of our country is going to do for the Gulf Coast. Let's move on. We're going to give a phone call here to Grant Soule. Everybody hang on and we'll pick him up on the phone right now. All right, on the line we have Grant Soule, who is a Tea Party organizer. He's done several of these now, and he's gone to many places and helped people get started. And uh, Grant, uh, welcome to the program. Thank you, Ed. It's my pleasure to be on your program. Uh, one thing a lot of people want to know, why did you get involved in the Tea Party movement? Well, I have a family and I have a business and I'm a pastor. So, uh, you know, every, everywhere you look, government is involved in my life. So I felt like I need to play a, a part in politics myself. I think that's a... Uh, very good answer, and I think there's a lot of people who may not be a part of the Tea Party who uh, have just heard your voice, and what would you say to them? How, how would you encourage them to uh, get off the couch, so to speak, and get involved? 
Well, we can sit around and can watch the news and complain about the condition of our world, or we can get involved, you know, and there's different ways of getting involved. One is simply uh, contacting our local or statewide or national elected officials when they're doing things that are not in the best interest of the people and let them know. And if they are doing a good job, we can contact them and let them know. And the Tea Party is a, is a force to be reckoned with, and it is something that uh, it educates people, it informs them. Uh, there's a kindred spirit of patriotism among the Tea Parties, and to me it's just an avenue that engages people, and that's that's kind of why I got involved. It was It was a way be active and productive and not just complain about the problem. Uh, Grant, what would you say to uh, somebody that has never been to a tea party and maybe a little bit leery about saying, well, I don't know if I want to, what I've seen on TV uh, and what I've seen on the uh, films, I, I, I just don't believe I want to go to a tea party. What would you say to someone like that? I would say to be open about it because, you know, if you... It, Surely, if someone were just to watch certain liberal uh, news broadcasts, <laughs> uh, it would it would certainly be a deterrent. Uh, the, rea the reality of it is, though, is our liberal news is biased. And I can't they, believe you said that. You think our liberal news is biased? <laughs> <laughs> understatement of the understatement yes. of the day, I guess. Uh, the reality of it is, it, the Tea Party movement is being effective. If it weren't, they wouldn't be attacking it so hard. So to answer your question, I would say find the nearest tea party and go and attend and, and be a judge of it of yourself. Because I've been to several, as you have, Ed, and it's completely opposite of what liberal media would paint it to be. I agree with you. One of the amazing things about the Tea Party movement is within weeks, it was there was some Tea Party organization in 50 states absolutely unbelievable and, that, and i think that's what took uh, liberals by surprise i think it took uh, conservatives by surprise and and it's something that's a uh, phenomenal to what's happening within a year and now we're going to a midterm elections uh, do you think the tea party movement uh, will have an effect in this fall during the elections no doubt about it Ed, it will certainly have an impact, and it's already had an impact in primaries and uh, in opinion polls around the nation. Oh, you're right about that. Some people, and some people say, "Hey, it's just a wing of the Republican Party." But uh, I guess they could ask Senator Bob Bennett from uh, uh, Utah if he thinks it's a part of the uh, <laughs> Republican Party. That's true. As a matter of fact, uh, there's lots of misunderstandings. You start talking about going to a Tea Party, and some liberal is going to ask you, where was the Tea Party when Bush was in office? And the fact of the matter is, there's valid criticisms for Republicans as well, and people are tired of big government, period. It's not about a Democrat. It's not about a Republican. It's about big government, uh, overreaching government that is just growing and growing and affecting our lives and getting, and getting involved in the banking and the auto industry and the health care and the homes and and education and every every time you turn around it's reaching its hand somewhere that is affecting families in a negative manner and that's the concern i have 
it is and it's amazing just uh just this week uh, what and during the crisis what goes on underneath uh, just like uh trying to give the president ability to pull the plug on the internet they're trying to give him the ability to pl pull the plug on the internet with, uh, without any congressional oversight or anything so it's amazing what's going through here but you were right about the tea party there's people that, uh, I really believe the Tea Party movement, it didn't have a name. I believe it might be one reason why the Democrats got in charge. People are so tired of the Republicans, they threw them out. And, and now we're finding out uh, they didn't get the message that uh, we don't want people spending uh, huge amounts of money. The Republicans spent way too much, and then the Democrats have come in in power, and they're, they're spending uh, three or four times as much as the Republicans did. Well, I'm a businessman, and... You are, and we know other businessmen, and we can't run our business that way. We can't, uh, we can't spend our way out of debt, and we can, we have, we can. There's a limit to our borrowing. Yeah, our uh, government and, will and put. You us, and I can't print money. Yeah, no, I was going <laughs> to say the government put us in jail for printing money, but they print it every day. <laughs> <laughs> and it just lowers the value of the dollar, and so that certainly is is a problem. Uh, what I would like to say is our the first. Tea Party that I was a part of, being an organizer of, was in Tupelo, Mississippi, and it's not a very big city, but on on a Wednesday at 12 o'clock during a lunch hour, we had 800 people show up. Uh, people left their schools, teachers, teachers took a day out of school to come to a Tea Party, students left the colleges, a veterinarian clinic shut the clinic down and told everyone to come, come out to the Tea Party. Uh, people are concerned. Then last year, uh, July the 4th, we were wondering if we were going to have a turnout, and 1,200 people showed up, you know, yeah. on, on July the 4th. And that's and in they a small their town. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but uh, uh, we're, we're, about to, we're about to finish up on this interview. Anything, any last words you want to say, Grant? Just to get informed, ed be educated, Thomas Jefferson said, educate the masses of the people, for this is the only sure reliance of our liberty. So I would encourage people to educate themselves, whether that's going on the internet, watching conservative talk shows, reading the Constitution, and getting involved, listening to Ed's program, and just whatever it takes to get educated on the issues of what's going on in our nation. And if it ain't right, if it doesn't line up with the stars and the stripes, we need to vote them out. I agree with you. You couldn't have said it any better than that. And uh, at Doc Holliday's Tea Party, we're going to educate, we're going to inform, and we're going to say, let's throw some rascals out in November. Thanks, Grant, so much for calling in, and we will talk to you later. Thank you, Grant So, What a great phone conversation. What a great man. There's many people all over America, just like Grant So, who uh, don't have money, are hardworking, got families, and yet they're... They want to get involved in the Tea Party movement because they love their country. We love our country. At Doc Holliday's Tea Party, we love our country and we want to be like the heroes who see beyond the years. Tonight, we're going to come to the inaugural Plymouth Rock of Liberty speech. This is a speech I plan on ending the program on every week. It'll Sometimes it'll go uh, a few minutes. Tonight it's going to go a few more as we get everything in. We're going to finish up on a Plymouth Rock of Liberty speech. And before we get to that, just let me remind you that you can go to my website at www.tparty.ms. 
there I got a book called Walk With Me, A Patriot's Guide from the Boston Tea Party to Today's Tea Party Revolution. You can, you can pick that up on Amazon.com or you can buy it from the website uh, through PayPal. So check it out. Look into it. And now let's get ready for the very first Plymouth Rock of Liberty speech from Doc Holliday's Tea Party. We have just recognized one of the anniversaries that has great significance in the history of mankind. I, like many of you, am not unmindful that on the 6th of June, 66 years ago, America sent many men into battle to try and gain a foothold in what was then called Hitler's Fortress Europe. Many men went in and some were just boys. My father can remember the names of two of those young men who lived in his small community. Harris Jennings and Harvey Moffat were their names. My father recalls that Harvey had an old Model A car and the farm boys around the community would scrounge up dimes and nickels to buy enough gas for Harvey Moffat, who wasn't much older than 20 or so, to drive the teenagers into town to see a movie. And I can remember my 4-H leader's husband, and his name was Jennings, who never knew his father because Harris Jennings was his father, and he and Harvey Moffat went into battle on the 6th of June, 1944, and before the setting of the sun, their life on earth was done. All across America, men from small towns and big cities perished in that assault on Hitler's fortress. President Roosevelt led our nation in prayer and proclaimed that even if the invasion was not successful, that we as a nation would do it again and again and again until the forces of freedom overcame the wickedness of the Nazi Germany. Now well into the 21st century, it is well that we have people still living who can remember the names and the faces and the lives of those who gave all in the struggle for freedom. Names we remember of American sons and fathers, husbands and uncles who never came home after D-Day. It is good that we remember their names. All gave some and some gave all. We can never forget those who gave all so that we can be free today. I once spoke to a soldier who went into Normandy a couple of days after D-Day and he told me about one of the most unspeakable experiences that he had ever had. Even today, as I remember the words that flowed from the mouth of this simple soldier, like a poetic rendering to a deed on earth, unlike any other I have ever heard. I cannot do him justice, but I shall do my best to recreate what he told me. You see, he was a cousin. He's a friend to Harvey Moffat and uh, Harris Jennings. He's from that same community. You see, the simple soldier, not much over 18 at the time, had placed some sand from Normandy Beach into a small vial or like a little bottle. He told me that he could not open that container without crying. This elderly soldier told me that he scooped up the sand a couple of days after D-Day as he was disembarking on the beach at Normandy. He knew as he was marching through that stretch of beach he was witnessing an event that was unfolding unlike any other in the history of the world. He told me about the literally hundreds of planes roaring overhead and the sight of huge ships unloading cargo as far as the eye could see down the beach. Unloading soldiers and jeeps and tanks and trucks and artillery, artillery, along with the crates of everything imaginable. He said the sounds of trucks and the tanks 
and the smell of burning fuel mixed with the aftermath of such a horrible battle just two days before on June the 6th left a unique smell that changed with the direction of the wind. But the smell of death was still everywhere on that battlefield. And the makeshift morgue was hidden, but every soldier marching knew what was in those tents. And he told me how the aftermath of the titanic struggle left him thinking that if a picture was worth a thousand words, then what he was witnessing could never be measured. The ferocity and the intensity of the battle that had taken place, how it made him want to weep for those who gave their all. It was as if something or something was squeezing his soul. The sights, the sounds were trying to pry his soul from his physical body, but he marched on. The powers that be were busy trying to sanitize the battlefield so as not to unnerve the new troops, most who had never seen combat before, just like this young farm boy. Unloading by the thousands and the tens of thousands, but this soldier told me that his nerves were too numb to be unnerved anyway. He said he was scared stiff like any other country boy from Mississippi or Alabama or Nebraska or California or those from the city, from New Jersey or New York. And he remembered marching by the bullet-riddled Nazi pillboxes with their burned interiors thanks to the American flamethrowers. And he said he could still smell the lingering smell of burnt flesh and death. The spent rounds of ammunition rendered carelessly all across the landscape left the nostrils with a spice of war. He said that he hated to open that small vial of sand because it would make him cry. No matter how brave he might try to be, his senses were so tattooed with the experience that happened so long ago that he could not stop the tears. And he always remembered thinking if he had come ashore in that first day of battle that he knew that he would not have survived. And many did not. So to those who fought in World War II, let me say thank you. For all our military men and women who have served and who are serving today, let me say with a heartfelt gratitude, thank you and may God bountifully bless you. And in this inaugural Doc Holiday Tea Party and this very first Plymouth Rock of Liberty speech, let me dedicate this very first broadcast to our veterans and the men and women who are wearing the uniform today. Here at this show, we will support you, pray for you, and we will always keep you in our thoughts and our minds. And that is why I believe that we must go to the polls in November and we must remember how these far-left radicals have treated our men and women who have fought and served our country. How they are using the men and women in uniform today as pawns in their game of political correctness. Our military men and women are in the midst of fighting two wars and attempting to keep the peace around the world. And without any regard whatsoever for the opinions of those who serve, we are witnessing such an arrogance, such a disregard for decency and honor in our Congress today that it distresses me to no end that we must without a doubt cleanse the stench in Washington by just voting the far left people out of office in November. Earlier this year, our Commander-in-Chief ordered our military leaders to explore removing the don't ask, don't tell policy 
He and our military leaders decided to embark on a year's study to understand how it would affect the most powerful military in the history of mankind. But in her arrogance, our Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, has decided that she knows better than the military leaders. She knows better than our Commander-in-Chief. She knows better than any other representatives in the House of Representatives. Our Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, is imposing her power that is given to her by every member of the House of Representatives who voted for her to be Speaker of the House. In her arrogance, she declared in the week before Memorial Day, through her iron fist political tactics of placing the removal of the don't ask, don't tell policy in a needed defense bill, that she declares that she's more powerful than our Commander-in-Chief. She knows better than any Pentagon study. She, in her arrogance, declares that political correctness trumps the opinions and the experiences of our veterans and those who wear the uniform today. These valued leaders, General James T. Conaway, command, commandant of the Marine Corps, he said, the value of surveying the thoughts of Marines and their families is that it signals to my Marines that their opinions matter. Did you hear that, Speaker of the House Pelosi? Then George V. Casey, Jr., General, United States Army says, I believe that repealing the law before the completion of the review will be seen by the men and women of the Army as a reversal of our commitment to hear their views before moving forward. And Gene Roughhead, Admiral, United States Navy says, My concern is that legislative changes at this point, regardless of the precise language used, may cause confusion on the status of the law in the fleet and disrupt the review process itself by leading sailors to question whether their input matters. Speaker of the House Pelosi, please, please, don't be so arrogant. And then finally, Norman Norton A. Schwartz, General, United States Air Force, says, I believe it is important that the Secretary of Defense Commission's review be completed before there is any legislation to repeal the don't ask, don't tell law. Such action allows me to provide the best military advice to the President and sends an important signal to our airmen and their families that their opinion matters. Speaker of the House, Pelosi, Senator Levin, please, please hear the leaders of our military and our nation. Tea partiers across America, please hear the arrogance that's in our Congress today. It is so arrogant. Pride, pride goes before a fall. This political correctness run amok that we will not even stop and do a study while our men and women in uniform are fighting in two wars. Somebody take notice. Somebody stand up for our men and women in the uniform. Somebody stand up for our veterans. It's you and me in a tea party. We've got to get to the streets and make a noise and make sure these people who are so arrogant do not get elected back to office. Remember in November. That's what I want to leave you with at the end of this show. Remember in November, God bless you. God bless America.